The Psychoanalysis Podcast explores the ways that horror movies examine mental health issues. It deals with mature and sometimes disturbing subject matter, and it may not be suitable for all listeners. It is meant for entertainment purposes only, and not as a substitute for proper therapy. If you or a loved one are currently experiencing mental health difficulties, please contact your local mental health center. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. This is Psycho Analysis. Hey everybody, Mike here. So, a little bit of confusing, uh, confusing times here over at Psychoanalysis as this week's episode was supposed to be a comfort horror show on Terrifier 2. And it's a five Thursday month, so I had some ideas on what to do for that fifth Thursday. Now, luckily enough, what you're going to hear today, I was lucky enough to get to interview this a little bit ahead of time and give myself some time off. But unfortunately, Life happens, and we had some scheduling conflicts when it came to recording Terrifier 2. First, one of us was under the weather, and then the next day we were literally all logged in and just about to hit record on uh, the track for it, and unfortunately one of our children fell ill and just before we hit record so we are going to be postponing the terrifier 2 episode probably to our first comfort horror episode during the month of april but we have something really cool for you here today uh i had the opportunity to speak with Kay Lynch, and she is the founder and director of the Salem Horror Film Fest, which is returning after a one-year absence to the North Shore of Massachusetts. And we had a great discussion about all things Salem and all things about her horror fest. Next week, at the end of this episode, I say, hey, like, I don't know what we're watching next week or what we're doing next week, but that is a lie. Uh, Next week, we're doing something a little different. So we've done this before, and when we take that fifth Thursday and we program in uh, a friend of the pods podcast. And uh, this week we are doing something. We're talking about a movie. We're going to hear about a movie I have wanted to talk about on this show forever, but unfortunately it doesn't fit our format. So recently I had the opportunity to appear as a guest on the Movies for Life podcast with Brian Kuyper and Michelle Egan. And I had the opportunity to talk about Rocky. Now, listeners, you've heard me before just discuss my love for the Rocky movie. And I think I had to apologize in advance to Brian and Michelle. Like, I am so sorry that I'm going to take over your show here. So uh, Brian and I were talking because he's going to be on the Terrifier 2 episode. And we were just kind of talking all things podcasting and whatnot. And I'm like, why don't we, you know, because I want to take next week off anyway. I was going to combine this episode and next week's episode into one that was going to post on the 30th. But we broke it into two. So that way we have an episode for you today where I have my interview with Kay. And then next week you'll hear uh, us drop in and I'll probably do a little intro, but you will hear from our friends at the Movies for Life podcast as they have special guest Mike Snoonian talking about the original Rocky movie. Uh, It was probably one of the most fun times I've ever had recording a show. I hope you enjoy it. We and we hope that you'll also take a listen to their podcast. It's a really wonderful 
uh, dive every week with two friends that love movies and talk about them in really passionate, energetic, and intelligent ways. Uh, so yeah, without any further ado, here is this week's interview with Miss Kay Lynch from the Salem Horror Film Fest. Bye! Hello, Psychoanalysis listeners. It's Mike here, and it is the fifth Thursday of the month, which means we always do something a little bit different. In the past, we've used this week to kind of spotlight some other podcasts that we're really friendly with and that we want to kind of give a platform to. But this week, we're doing something uh, a little bit different. We have a returning guest. Uh, she joined us way back in the day for a comfort horror episode when we did Carnival of Souls. And she is the festival founder, director, El Presidente. What is the official title? Okay. Like, is that, am I getting all of them right now? We mm -hmm. box office, publicist. <laughs> no, I'm the head of PR, <laughs> yeah. head of programming. She is cracking the whip. She is cracking skulls. And the lovely Kay Lynch is back with us once again to talk about this year's Salem Horror Film Fest. Kay, how are we tonight? Doing great. Thank you. How are you? Uh, we're doing great. We're doing all right on this end here. And I say we, it is me and my rabbit in this room in oh. our new uh, office together. Um, we were talking a little bit off air and it is like the countdown is on. We're about like, as we post this, we're less than a month away to the start of Salem Horror. So you must be exhausted, just kind of running on fumes at this point. Yes, and I have so much more to go. <laughs> but mm -hmm. we just we just announced the program today. So... This is kind of like Excellent. the first really big moment. And now it's like the official it's here. It's happening. When does it hit that it's happening? Like when is the first, when does it feel like, all right, this is, this is for real right now. Like we're doing this thing again. Hmm. <laughs> I think that pa that point has already come because I'm having, okay. I'm having the panic moment of like, Oh, it already, it already happened. It's already here. You have to go through <laughs> with it now. All right. Yeah. There's the point of no return. Okay. Um, but honestly, I thrive on sort of the sort of stress of it all. And we took the year off last year, technically, because mm -hmm. we, yeah, moved. that was, that was my first question. So oh. I will, I'll be thrilled. Perfect. <laughs> Stop picking up my notes here. <laughs> um, you, the, you did take a hiatus in 2022. What were some of the factors that led to like wanting to take that year off? Well, so Traditionally, we had held the fest every year in October. So, you know, first three years, we did it live. And each year got, like, increasingly bigger than the last. COVID hit. 2020, we went all virtual. And then in 2021, we were hybrid. We were, you know, um, but we we're still kind of just dipping our toe in the water. It was, it was a much smaller um sort of scale and so this year is a return to sort of like 2019 levels of like scale um but what we had found is that like october of course everyone wants to be here it's like everyone's bucket list to come to salem in october but i think what people really need to understand is that salem is actually a teeny little city with it a is. huge reputation and there aren't a lot of hotels 
Um, and it's just a huge clusterfuck. And it makes everything certainly challenging for me as a producer to put on this event. Everything's more expensive. Space is more cramped. It's really hard to move around. And even as um, if you're attending, it's expensive. To, if It's difficult to find a hotel. It's expensive if you do. Um, and you're just surrounded by people. And there are some positive aspects to that. I mean, there's sort of like a Mardi Gras spirit to that. Um, but, you know, I didn't start this festival to cater to tourists. I wanted to cater to horror fans, filmmakers, and um, and certainly corners of the genre that are, you know, often marginalized. So um, I knew that if I were to create like a true community around this festival, I needed more space. I needed a little mm-hmm. more elbow room and I needed to make it more accessible to more people. So moving into April where it's springtime, it's everything that happens in October still happens in April. It's just fewer people. Um, mm-hmm. And so I honestly think it's a much better experience. Salem is a beautiful city. We're right by the ocean. And so when I made the decision, it was like, okay, October, I, I wasn't going to be able to make that jump to the first April. It was just not enough time. So I was like, let's just push it. And here we are. I, 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 one thing I don't think people realize about Salem is there's no direct highway access to it. Like it is literally one road like route 114 which is a one lane road that basically gets you in and out of the city off of like the major highway like it is so hard getting around there like we went in september last year and even that like it was a complete clusterfuck getting around it's miserable i can can only imagine in october especially kind of working with venues or working with hotels to try to find like, okay, can we get a break on like putting out these special guests and these directors? Like no hotel is going to take a discount in October. They're like, they've, they have if anything. They're looking to build like tent cities at that point to pe- put people up. Exactly. There's no incentive for them. Right. So aside from just giving yourself like more room to breathe and, kind of like separate yourself a little bit from like the busiest time of year there. What other sort of advantages like take those, like taking that extra season or two or like taking that year off, like what other advantages do you find like that helped in terms of like planning the return of the festival? Well, like you had said, um, you know, October it's like for horror fans, there's no lack of things to do in October and everyone who is in the industry um, is busy. You know, there's, there's so many things to cover, so many things to attend. And so, you know, us being in this sort of like seaside village in the Northeast where we're so far away from the actual industry, being on this side of the calendar actually opened us up a little bit more so that, um, you know, we, we're a a film festival for filmmakers. And so it's really important that the films that we bring on have a life after us. And so we need distributors to see these films and we need 
audiences to talk about them and we need press to review them so to build buzz and see what is going to be the films that make it onto vod like months or a year later so um i think that by having um having it in april it just opens it up makes it more accessible for more people and it gives our filmmakers a lot more opportunity mm-hmm. And one of the things that I'm so excited about is we send a questionnaire to all our filmmakers, asking them a bunch of things. But, you know, we ask them what's what's the most important thing for them to get out of the festival and and whatnot. But um, we also ask if they plan to attend. And we, when I saw this list, I was like, oh, my God, it was like 80 percent of the filmmakers are going to be in attendance. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's huge for us because for the reasons I stated before, you know, we'd, we'd have people attend and last year was more or last time was more than I had ever expected. I was like, wow, I didn't expect we have this many people. Um, but this is like huge. We're going to have over 50 filmmakers, um, in, in the actually attend the audience, be able to watch their films with an audience, talk to the audience and meet people and see how their films are received. And so that would not be possible to this degree if we were in October. So I think yeah. it just makes it a better experience for the filmmakers and the film goers. Yeah. And there are a few things that are cooler than like sitting in the audience with a filmmaker when you're like part of a fest and watching their reaction to the audience when the audience is having a really good reaction or like having a great like Q and a with them after the fact and having them like get to see uh, especially if it's like a world premiere or an area premiere, like getting to see like their work pay off. Like that's one of the cooler aspects of doing any festival. Um, let's talk about the community aspect first though, before we talk about some of the movies here. Uh, talk a little bit about the mission statement for Salem Horror. Cause I think that it is a festival that um, does more than, gives lip service to the idea that it wants to be part of a community. And, you know, I know you've been like very outspoken online and in print saying like, you know, horror is inherently queer and inherently made by and for queer persons. Um, How did that become like such an integral part of the festival? Yeah. So I had always been a huge horror fan growing up with it. It was a really important avenue for me um, to, kind of just find myself and find catharsis in some of the struggles that I've had. And so I always knew that horror could be this vehicle for people who felt like they're outsiders or um, kind of need, needed one thing in this world to validate their experience with the world. Um, and so that's why I love the genre already. But the reason why I started this fest was because the 20s election, I think, just shocked a lot of us. Um, you know, a lot of us could see where this was going, but still, for it to actually happen, I think it genuinely traumatized our nation and scared the shit out of a lot of people, and rightfully so. And one of the things that was most troubling was to see the majority of people in the media kind of act like things were still normal. And over time it was, it would just 
I know for me and talking to other people, there's this constant experience of being like, is anyone else seeing this? Like, mm-hmm. why are we really addressing how crazy, how scary, how threatening all of this, um, all of these things that are happening daily? And um, and we truly were being gaslit, like epic And so, one of the ideas with this fest was to one in recognizing that horror genre that has always been anxieties and our social issues, like it's always been used for allegories in that way. Um, so that it, it's a it's a natural place to have these conversations, to have political conversations that are one step removed, to do it through themes, and kind of lowers the temperature a little bit. These big scary things, a little more manageable to talk to. We can find catharsis in them. But I think the biggest thing, and the reason why I was not only like trying to be supportive of some of these political aspects of the festival, but like very aggressive with it was because I had one, I had one platform where I could be one voice that says, no, I see the same crazy shit you do. Like, you're not crazy. We're not crazy. You know, just because, you know, so many businesses do not have, are, are disincentivized from talking about politics and all of our institutions, um, are, are disincentivized to do so. And so, you know, I'm just a horrible fan, but I'm mm-hmm. Salem, Massachusetts, which has a history um, of really fucked up things that have happened here as the result of organized hysteria and um, power hungry people and persecuting the most vulnerable. And so I mm-hmm. thought that, you know, this platform is in a you know a unique position to make a statement along those lines and to give people a place to go to or to at least feel seen to at least feel like they aren't alone and they aren't crazy right and this year's festival in particular i think i was like just looking at some of the the lineup online and reading about it and it looks like it's like a 50-50 split between you know, like male identifying and, and, and female identifying persons and like almost half the lineup is made by like queer directors as well, which is huge in terms of, you know, because you contrast that with maybe what you see at the multiplex on a Friday night mm-hmm. and it stands in a pretty sharp contrast. Absolutely. And I think that is a direct response of sort of the, how we've positioned the festival and um, you know, we, we really try to get the word out there that that's what we're looking for. When we started, it was hard to find, you know, I mean, that it was always the goal to, to kind of have a percentage breakdown like this, but it was hard just because, um, yes, there are, there are a lot of women filmmakers out there. Um, but a lot of them don't have the same opportunities or as many opportunities as, uh, male filmmakers have had over the year. There's just a, an institutional advantage. And um, so just if you just look at the numbers, you know, it's it's really about just trying to see where where the women are, find their films, find their projects, support them. And, um, and you know, we are a city run by women. I mean, up until now, our mayor of like 20-something years um, just was elected lieutenant governor 
Um, but she ran this city for successfully for a very long time. We had we always have so many women on the city council. Our state representative is a woman. All of the nonprofit organizations in town. Our head of tourism is a woman. Like I love that our city is run by women. And yeah, we look at our stats. Our audience, in terms of people who come and people who are part of our social um, platforms, we are sixty percent women. Mm-hmm. Which I'm so proud. And do you feel that is a a product of providing a space or you've said like, look, you're going to be safe here. Like we're going to make your, not only your safety, but your comfort a priority here. But, or is that as much of a factor or more of a factor than just the fact that like, there are a lot of women horror fans that maybe often get taken for granted. Like we maybe take that demographic for granted sometimes absolutely and that's uh, that's everywhere it's in video games it's like mm-hmm. you know everything that men are interested in men are in, uh, women are interested in too it's just that's that's just a fact of life um and, and then it's just for a long time and still in a lot of places um people don't want to acknowledge that and it, it can be hard to break to break that down um but it, it's just there's there's an alignment, you know, I, I created this festival to, you know, to address a certain mission, but that mission was something that was tapping into uh, a sentiment that already existed here. Salem was already a very liberal, progressive place, um, you know, as I said, run by women. It was, I, I was just basically creating the horror version of what already existed here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I wanted to ask, like, what it has been like in terms of having the support of, like, the machine behind Salem, having that behind you, like, what it's like to work with, like, the Chamber of Commerce or the, I think you posted late last week, like, I'm in a meeting with, like, the mayor of Salem and the local uh, Satanic Rites Temple, like, the local, you know, like, what a trip it's been, like, what it's like working with, um, you know, a city that is, like, so much in the corner of the arts and, like, sees the value of something like this rather than, geez, you know, this art space, we could put some condos here. (laughs) Well, that's still always... Uh, a, a challenge that's still something you know Salem is growing and there's mm-hmm. a lot of um, discussion and debate about how to how how do we address affordable housing um, and and how do we keep development you know do responsible development um, but yeah it's Salem <laughs> would be really ripe for like a Parks and Rec like show mm-hmm. Because it's it's a place where, you know, I've I've been in this city for almost twenty years now, and before the festival, I I was producing other events. I used to throw a lot of queer parties, mm-hmm. um, and fundraisers, and theater shows, and concerts, and so I, I've had a lot of experience in this city, doing you know in this space, and there have been so many moments where, I just kind of haven't, I just kind of. Think in third person and be like, "How is this? Is this my life right now?" <laughs> because it is mm-hmm. a very odd, um, and a, a unique place because it's Salem. For a long time, was a, a very important, influential port city, and so it 
um, had access to the rest of the world in terms of like importing goods, especially spices. Um, and with that, I think it brings a lot of um, cultures through the city and influences the city in a certain way. I think it's also created a sort of legacy of just people who are interested um, in other people because our city is mm-hmm. very queer. It's um, very smart people, a lot of artistic people, very intellectually curious people and very empathetically curious people. Like I, I've met a lot of people who are, who are very eager to learn about other right. people's experiences. Mm-hmm. And I know enough about the world to know that that is not the majority of this country. Yeah. Um, but, you know, certainly to contrast that with our history, you know, in some way, it's, I think, a little bit of a, a correction, an apology. Yeah. Um, but I, I see it as like being a very uh, special thing that I do not take for granted. And I always try to be cognizant of that what I'm doing isn't exploiting our history. It's mm-hmm. not, um, you know, because... In October, we are Halloween Mardi Gras. And yes, that can be fun, but it's like we still have to remember what happened here. Right. And that's why I think it's really important to keep this mission and the history here in mind. Um, so, yeah. So, so I think that's yeah. a sort of responsibility that not only that I take seriously, but other businesses yeah. in town do as well. You were just talking about some of the, not just the history, but like the intellectual curiosity or the empathy that you find in this area. And like, you know, I feel sometimes like living in Massachusetts, like I get to avoid the brunt of how bad it is for others in other parts of the country. And like talking with my friends that are elsewhere, like hearing how bad it is we're in them pretty scary time for a lot of persons especially for queer and transgender persons and i know that like for the fest like there's been a number of like battles you've had to fight with like outsiders do you feel comfortable like speaking to any of those experiences like some of the like be frank bullshit you've had to put up with from others sure yeah so when i started the fest, it was kind of like the political intensity was at its highest as it related to Trump, you know, sort of like the the existential threat that he posed by having someone like him at the highest levels of power. And so a lot of the things that I would post about were overtly political and would trigger a lot of people, um, particularly, you know, people who are very pro-Trump. And so there would be a lot of these sort of just battles along those lines. And, you know, uh, it was, I thought it was a really good (laughs) sort of exercise in um, sort of one, communicating that like, sorry, let me try that again. No problem. Um, Power of editing will make it all brilliant, so... It was, you know, I, I having this sort of like flame wars, I think, were, mm-hmm. you know, 
cathartic on one level. It too, I think that is not it's not enough to just say we are welcoming. Everyone is welcome here because that means Nazis and fascists and racists and abusers. And, you know, I mean, it's like, so I think that it was important for me to not only say who's welcome, but to say that what we won't tolerate. Mm -hmm. And that attracted a lot of angry people. And so I was able to kind of turn those interactions into just like, moments of trying to embarrass those people or (laughs) just kind of revel in sort of the the morbid um drama of all that but it's it's so draining and it's so soul-sucking especially when nothing improves you know these issues don't get any better if anything they've gotten worse Mm -hmm. and so i got to a point where i'm like well this this specific um strategy isn't really doing much at this point i'm just preaching to the choir and losing a part of my soul and doing it and so as i um you know once i just once i finally accepted myself and decided that i was ready to transition um my life changed in many ways including realizing my own capacity for joy and love and um, peace. And what I found is that the happier I got, the more confident I got, it still pissed off the same people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I realized I'm like, oh, okay, I don't have to engage on the right. same level. All I have to do is just continue to be who I am, embrace myself. And, um, and I can still piss those people off, but more importantly, I think, as you said, that we are in this little bubble where, you know, we're in a, we're in a pretty, um, all, all things considered a safe place compared to the rest of the country. And, um, I, I'm hyper aware of that every single day. I would never leave Massachusetts. Um, and I am so scared for so many Mm -hmm. people. Um, and I have a great deal of privilege. Um, you know, I, I am trans and there are some scary things that I experience as well. But comparatively, I still have a lot of privilege and I'm able to transition. I have access to healthcare, Um, And I have this platform. And so I think that it's in some ways it's more important for me to just be visible and confident and happy because there are so few opportunities for people to see trans joy um, and, and people to just live yeah. their life. And, um, and I know that's not enough to battle right. what we're up against, but it is something that when I am feeling down, I try to remind myself that like I can at least, I have a platform and that right. I, I can use it in a way that you know, educates other people. You know, there's a lot of people who've never met a trans person. And so in some ways, I think if I can just be vocal about my experience, it might give people a glimpse into into that. And, um, right. and it's, I don't know, it's a, <laughs> I feel like it's a lot for a horror festival. <laughs> right. You know, a lot more, yeah. you know, because you also are going to have the persons that go, that are like, look, just give me blood and tits. Like, that's all I want. Exactly. Yes. Me. Well, I'm that person just, too. <laughs> right. Okay. 
so it's there's also that um no i know like for myself um growing up in the 80s in a very small town in massachusetts like never seeing like an out gay person before and then moving to providence for uh university and it's one of like the queerest um cities in new england it's at so the time. fun i've some of the best oh. times i've ever had or <laughs> oh my god especially when mayor buddy cnc was running it <laughs> yeah. and he was an absolute criminal but he poured like millions into the arts so it was like the height of like spoken word and punk rock and being around so many out queer people queer people like, yeah this is no big thing i don't understand why anyone is scared of anyone here like they're more fun than my straight <laughs> friends um let's talk a little bit about the movies let's talk about this year's lineup it right. is massive it is like there's like a hundred movies like something like 100 movies or programs going on um what we do you feel are some of the highlights like if someone's coming in what are you most like jazzed about presenting this year? Um, and you can't say all of them. No coffee. <laughs> uh, well, the the one uh, caveat I would say is that um, the sixty six of these films are in an official competition. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, oh, okay. I, I cannot play favorites. I mean, not okay. Not that I'm the judge or anything, but I try to be very fair to all of our filmmakers. Um, but I can recommend things for different reasons. And we programmed all of these films because they're, they're not only great, um, but, uh, they represent sort of our taste and, um, Mm -hmm. sort of our mission and what we're trying to communicate with the festival. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, right off the bat, I just have to say, how excited I am that we are bringing Tony Todd to Salem. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just an incredible man, um, an icon. The man has 250 credits. It's nuts. Um, so I'm very excited to to meet him, for others to meet him. He's our headline act. And so mm-hmm. um, it, it's, it's going to be a great night. He's our opening night program. We're going to show Candyman at the PBD Essex Museum. Um but our opening to the film festival proper, we have a film that just premiered or will have just premiered at South by Southwest called Satan Wants You. Mm. And it's a documentary by um, directors Sean Holler and Steve J. Adams. And it is about the satanic panic in the 80s and the book... Um, Michelle remembers that sort of ignite, you know, ignited that hysteria and everything that came since, um, in a lot of ways is still here. (laughs) Um, so, you know, it's, um, it's an amazing documentary and, uh, Salem is home to this, the, the satanic temple headquarters. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, um, obviously with our history and, um, in our queerness, there's just, it, it is like the most Salem film that I think that we could ever okay. show. So um, I'm, I'm so excited we were, we were able to get this film because I think it's exactly what the festival typifies. Mm-hmm. When you 
you mentioned like programming things with like an agenda in mind or like a, not an agenda, but like a um, having like the fest goer in mind, like the experience they're going to have. Like I know at Telluride, we used to, when we do the pig roast, we used to program like the block of gross out shorts right <laughs> after it with the goal of we want at least one person to vomit up all the pork. They've just oh like, consumed God. like that was the goal. Um, <laughs> but we... <laughs> It really was. I mean, we got, you know, it was definitely because it was back then it was just mostly locals that would go and you would get like these families that would come in with their little kids and then they would see some of these things and they're like, uh, this is not what we were expecting (laughs) for tonight. Oh my God. It's like um, Texas Jade Slam Massacre (laughs) 2. Oh yeah. It was great. It was absolutely wonderful. Um, but what were you like when you are like putting a day together or a program together? Like, what are some of the considerations that like you put into it? Sure. Well, I mean, so so right off the bat, there's there's a social component to the festival. Mm-hmm. So we're we're um, always looking for for films that reflect our culture and society in some way. Um, we're looking for a diversity of stories and filmmakers, you know, to try to find a wide variety of voices. And, um, and so that is something that we pay attention to. And often it reflects in their art and the films that they're telling. Um, when it comes to the filmmaking, we are partnered with the George A. Romero foundation. Mm-hmm. And we do have a program called the remote Mar- Mar- excuse me, we have a program called the Romero Fellowship, and it is a mentorship program when several of our filmmakers are chosen to participate and they get matched with an, you know, someone who's been in the industry, um, you know, for the way we see it is like someone who's been through the festival circuit a few times. And so they're able to kind of share their experience and try to help along these filmmakers. So what we look for and our filmmakers who we think are a good fit for that is someone who embodies the spirit of Romero in a couple mm-hmm. different ways. I mean, as a guiding program principle of looking for social issues, um, Romero certainly did that throughout his career. But I think also just as exciting is Romero's sort of punk rock sensibility of mm-hmm. filmmaking, of DIY filmmaking. Because he just, he didn't go to L.A. He picked up the camera and just made a film himself and with his friends and in his community. He didn't have a ton of funding. He just thought, fuck, I could do it. And in doing so, made one of the best horror films ever made. Right. Um, and so... Monkey Shines. <laughs> exactly. <Yes. laughs> um <laughs> Um, and so, you know, and, and the film has, you could see some of its edges, you know, in this part of its charm, it's not a slick, you know, production. And so, um, you know, we do have a good amount of slick productions in the festival. Um, but what we're looking for, especially for this fellowship is, um, to see what, someone can do with limited resources or how they use their resources. So um, an example of a film that I think 
is um, you know, most typifies what I think this fellowship is about. Um, and it's, it's one, it's a film that is like one of the most, um, the proudest I've ever been in showing a film because I just, I love the, how the filmmaker made it. It's a film called Landlocked. We premiered it in 2021 and it was a filmmaker who had worked on it for like 12 years, I think. Wow. I mean, basically he wrote it for a few years and kind of left it. And a lot of time went, a lot of time went by and then COVID hit and he was like, Hmm, let me kind of dust this off. Mm -hmm. He made the film. The film is about this father um, has a heart attack. He dies. But before he dies, he records a message on a camcorder, a goodbye message. And in it, he basically tells his son, like, look, um, everything's taken care of. Um, If you want anything in the house, it's going to be demolished on this day. So you've got to you've got to take it out before then. And so the kid is like back in his childhood home, kind of reliving these memories. His father was obsessed with recording um, family moments. And so he starts watching some of them. He starts picking up the camera and just kind of moping around the house. And he Mm -hmm. realizes that the camera, if he adjusts the date on the camcorder and looks through the viewfinder, he can see exactly what was happening in that space at that time. And Mm -hmm. so through the camcorder, he's going back in time and reliving his own memories and he becomes obsessed. And so this film was made for like negative $5. Like it's nothing, no production value, Mm -hmm. but it has this super high concept and he pulls it off. It's really incredible. And um, so I already love this film. It was already a perfect example of like what I'm hoping to find. Um, But when he came to present the film, he told a story that there were his actual home videos. Most of them, like the ones who were in the film, were okay. his own family videos that he repurposed. It's sort of a, a you know, kind of re, like a deconstructed found footage film. Mm-hmm. I just, it blew me away. And that is just innovative. And um, it just proves that you do not need a lot of money to make right. a great film. Um, well, we're seeing that this year. Like we're seeing, you know, you're seeing like little movies like in 2022, Terrifier 2. You're seeing movies like Skinamarink, which is a kind of like an anti-movie. <laughs> yeah. Getting, you know, where you don't... Horror allows folks to take risks that maybe an action movie or a drama or a comedy isn't going to allow persons to take. Horror is tends to be way more experimental and has a much maybe broader umbrella than other genres do. Yeah, and it can... It's interesting because, like, I think um, a lot of, like, normies who don't really watch horror have Mm. an idea of what horror is. But within the genre, there's such a huge variety of types of films that you can tell and stories that you can tell. And and that's what excites me most. And when I'm looking, when I'm watching these films in films that I'm either looking through submissions or even when I'm just watching films Mm -hmm. as a fan... It's like 
whether or not a film is good or bad is one of the least mm-hmm. interesting conversations I think <laughs> could be had. Yeah. What I what I do every time I watch a movie is I go, what is the most interesting thing about this movie? I just try to figure out what it is. Some things have it, some not so much, but like that's mm-hmm. what I'm looking for is like, what is the thing about this movie? And, um, and, and in a genre like horror, it could be anything. Right. So some listeners are going to ask like, well, like it's great you're having K on, but this is like, it's in Salem, Massachusetts. And I am in like, you know, bumblefuck Idaho. And like, I'm never going to get to go to this and I'm jealous and I hate you for having her on. But, <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> right? But tough shit. The show is free. Uh, no, we love you listeners so much uh, with all of our hearts. And this is the part where if Jen were on, she would be having a heart attack. Like, come on, I have to edit <laughs> this out, Mike. But, uh, hi, Jen. <laughs> yeah, we love you, Jen. We can't wait to have you back on soon. Um, there is a virtual component to your festival. Like in 2020, the fest was fully uh, virtual, uh, like a number of fests were, and it's something that you've kept as part of the festival. So can you speak to what the virtual component will look like this year and how anyone can access at least some of the festival? Sure. I mean, by the time this goes out, like you said, I think that we'll, we will have announced a lot of that. Um, all I can say right now is that we will have um, a virtual component to the festival. It will not be concurrent. It will not be happening at the same time. So our festival is mm-hmm. the last two weeks in April. So in May, we're still locking down those dates. Okay. But in May is when we'll have a virtual program and we're still working with the filmmakers to see exactly which right. films will be part of that what is the chance that some of the non-film events will be like recorded and persons will have access to them or is that something that you keep just for like the in-person live crowds only hmm i mean so i can't say just yet <laughs> okay fair enough yeah Good. Nope. No problem. Um, how important is it to have, especially for immunocompromised or disabled uh, press members or just viewers that how important is it to have like the virtual component to a festival? It's so important. And for all those, you know, for those reasons that you had mentioned, just accessibility is so key. Um, not only do to to health reasons but um just affordability it's expensive to travel Mm -hmm. um and and i understand that and i don't want people to not be able to attend because of that or or participate and so um you know that's another huge reason why we do it and you know covid sucks still sucks and um even though we weren't able to do the festival in 2020 live um, and it was extremely expensive and challenging to figure out how to do it virtual. Mm -hmm. It was a really important moment and experience for us because up until then we were largely programming repertory films for the festival because we were a young festival. Um, Mm -hmm. We started in 2017. It was our first year. So when we were first getting going, we didn't have a huge pool of submissions. 
they slowly start, you know, a lot of shorts and they continue to grow. But in terms of features, we weren't able to program an entire lineup of features that um, were just 100% submissions. So when we went virtual, that was our only choice. And Mm -hmm. so um, we doubled down on that. We, you know, we, we were really able to lean into that and get a lot of submissions because of the festivals were not happening. And, um, and the entirety of our program were these films that people were able to watch online from wherever they are. A lot of people who would have never been able to visit Salem um, got to participate. And one of the things that was really cool is that the filmmakers and the film goers were able to communicate in real time on social media. Mm-hmm. And there were some really great moments. A lot of the people that I consider that I'm really close with and friends with now from the internet those relationships started during that festival right and the the filmmakers the experience from the filmmakers they all talk about wow you know it was just really cool to have this experience and from then our submissions just blew up you know we were able to say no like our we now have an audience of people who want to watch and support these smaller films um excellent so so it's important for accessibility on and in all all reasons but it also just improves the festival all around well for the folks that are finally i guess we'll we'll wrap up with this before we let everyone know how to get their badges or take part or how to follow along um how do for folks that are going in person like salem is on the bucket list for a lot of horror fans what do you recommend like for newcomers to the city in between movies or events, like what are some places you would recommend they check out in Salem? Hmm. Okay. Well, Salem's a great place, um, a great city for food. Like we have a lot of really great restaurants. Um, we have like a science fiction themed pizza place called Flying Foster yes. Pizza. Is really so good. It's really good. It has a lot of vegan options. Um, on the higher end, we, we won't hold that against them. <laughs> look they're I, I good <laughs> they're yummy um and you know on the higher end there's like the ledger restaurant which was in a you know in, um like a early 1900s vault <laughs> once was the vault yep. turned into a restaurant a, a bank vault's really cool um what else i mean gulu gulu is just a great place for beer and um coffee and to it's kind of like the the revolving door of the city for people who live Mm -hmm. there you know day to day it's you know kind of like the neighborhood spot um you have to go to count orlock's nightmare gallery yes it's a monster museum and it's fucking good it's all these life-size um I don't know what you call them, like model, like life-size replicas. Like the models, like you have like the American werewolf in London, werewolf is there. Like it's not like quite a wax museum, but it's like all it's of like just that, all though, the yeah. thing it's, brought to life. It's amazing. All these exhibits and these, like, so, I don't even know. He's got 50 monsters. I don't know. There's a, mm-hmm. there's a lot. And, and he has just a really great eye for production. Like he lights it up. It's really moody. Yeah. It's really well done. It's a really, really classy place. And I've been there a zillion times. 
Yeah, because yeah. I work with James on, on a lot of on a lot of things. And every single time I'll be going over there for work reasons. And as soon as I walk in, I just immediately like turn into a little girl and start wandering. <laughs> Did you ever see the movie that was shot there? Wait, what? No. Yeah, there was uh, Richard Mar Griffin, a filmmaker out of Providence. He did like the Disco Exorcist, and um, he did a. He went there. He visited that place, and I'm trying to look it up because we screened it in Boston like years and years ago. Um, it was like Count Orlock's or Doctor Frankenstein's House of the Hungry Dead. Like they let him shoot it over the course of like one week before they closed for the season. And it's a really fun, cheesy B movie. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> How do I not he literally whipped together the script, the cast, and filmed it in like two weeks before they shut down. And it's a ton of fun. I have to. I'll send you the link over to it when I find. I just now I cannot find the link to it. Oh my god! A, please, it's a ton of fun. That sounds. So great. I will definitely do that, and also recommend the Disco Exorcist. Yeah, I just wrote that awesome. down. Um, all right, I, well, I just want to say one last thing about sure. when you come to Salem, um, we are such a walkable city. It, you know, everything that you want to do and see in Salem is within like a 45 minute walk perimeter. Like it's all concentrated and it's these beautiful cobblestone streets, these small alleyways. It's right along the ocean. So you can go down to the wharf and you see the friendship and, um, you go get coffee at Jaho. It's just this, it's a, such a beautiful community that, um, you know, in October, you could just walk around and see all the costumes and I have fun that way and, and not really spend a lot of money and just walk around and have right. fun. It's the same thing in April without the costumes, but you just, you can have a great time just enjoying and experiencing the city. It's so yeah. beautiful. It is if we ever were to move again in Massachusetts, it's the town I'd want to move to. It is literally one of my favorite little towns in all of Massachusetts. <laughs> so I love it there so much. Um, all right. So for folks that are like, I got to get me there, where do they go to get the passes? And why don't we run through all the dates right now as well? Cause if we're like come in June, like the festival will be over. <laughs> You will be disappointed. So tell everyone if they want to learn more, where should they go? Well, SalemHorror.com is where all the info lives. The festival takes place on April 20th through April 30th, the weekend. So it's Thursday through Sunday. Um, the first Thursday is the night that Tony Todd will be here. We have a big event at the PBD Essex Museum. All the other days will be at the cinema. On the Saturdays of those weekends, I believe it's a 22nd and 27th. Mm -hmm. um, no, that doesn't make sense. Um, There's 22nd and 29th. Um, we have parties at Bit Bar, which is a barcade. It's really mm -hmm. cool, big now. They moved to a really big space. Um, bar and arcade. And we're going to have DJs and, um, you know, celebrities like Linnea Quigley, Amelia Kincaid, Greta Goretta. Um, all the teens from Fright Night are going to be hanging out there. Um, yeah. And then stay tuned for information. Although at this point, I think it'll probably be up. Um, but in May, we'll have the virtual components. The virtual components. Well, excellent. 
Well, Kate, thanks so much for joining us. And that movie is Dr. Frankenstein's Wax Museum of the Hungry Dead. It was the original title. And I think it's just Frankenstein's Hungry Dead now. And it's on Freevee, I think, is where you can stream oh, it. So, yeah, I love it. I It's super cheesy and fun. And it's just fantastic. But, Kay, thank you so much for joining us. And if they want to follow you on their socials, where should they go? <laughs> I apologize in advance. Uh, I'm Video Coven on Twitter. And mm-hmm. that's it. The Sam Lohr, okay. yeah, Sam Lohr is out there, but Twitter's the only one. Nice and easy. I have there left. we go. <laughs> yes. Excellent. Well, listeners, thanks so much. We hope you enjoyed this bonus episode. And this is the part where I usually talk about what we're watching next. And I don't know because I'm actually recording this in the middle of the month. And this weekend is when we'll plan our lineup for May. So I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> I'm sure that, or April. Be playing our. We're going to skip April and jump right to May. <laughs> oh no no no! Uh, it's it's been a bit, folks. Um, but go ahead and follow us on the socials at Psycho A Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Join our Facebook group, Psychoanalysis Podcast Support Group. Follow me at Mike underscore Sununian on Twitter and Instagram and Mike Chump Change at Letterbox, And make sure you listen to my other show, which is just as disorganized, uh, but is a fun listen, The Pod and the Pendulum, everywhere you get your podcast. And we will be back. God willing, we'll be back in a week. Take care. Bye. Bye.